My name is Russell. My name is Patrick. And welcome to Underbench Staples. It's two guys living on the other side of the world to Master Chef Australia's origins of Australia, commenting on Master Chef Australia. Um, bit of a background to us quickly before we get into this. Uh, we are food writers based in Ireland. We are the Sunday Times critics here in Ireland, uh, which is quite fun, but we are also obsessed with MasterChef Australia. Uh, during lockdown, we watched quite a lot of it, so much so we bought several barbecues, hibachis, and pressure cookers uh, just so we could feel something. And we're two episodes in to the latest series, which has just started on British and Irish television. And we decided we're going to record our thoughts Every single day. How many episodes are in the series? 50. Oh, Christ. Why did we do this to ourselves? And this is a smaller series than usual. Well, that's, that's a bonus. contestants. Yeah. yeah, that's a bonus. So, almost every day, or several times a week, we will be giving our thoughts in this podcast and uh, interact with us. Um, I didn't mention that we are on social media in another guise, which is at GastroGaze. That's G-A-Y-S, not G-A-Z-E, as some people think. And if you want to comment or anything like that, go there and join the conversation. I think a couple of little uh, big red flags that we need to put up first and foremost. We are watching on UK and Irish television. Channel is... well, it used to be called Watch, I think, back in the day. It was very confusing because it was called Watch Watch or something like that. It's called W. A streamlined uh, name. A streamlined name. Can thank Richard and Judy for that. <laughs> um, and it's on 7pm every weeknight, I think. And we are... The series has just began. So today is the 9th of August. It's Wednesday. The series began on Monday. This is a spoiler-free zone. So if you get to the start of an episode and you haven't watched it yet, uh, aka of this podcast, and we outline what episodes we're going to talk about, and you haven't watched it yet, I'm sorry, but that is your own fault, but we're not going to spoil it in the sense that we know the eventual outcome of the series. Um... And there was a second red flag. That also includes interacting with us on social yeah. media. If you've seen the whole series, you can refrain from offering us mm. any of your... Because it has happened in the past mm. that mm. we have had... Yeah, we actually normally We actually normally watch MasterChef Australia via legal means. As live. Um, as live. But this year, um, we didn't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, obviously, this series is very, very, very different um, because of the sad passing of uh, Jock just after, or just before the series was due to air. Um, and as huge fans of the show, we were really upset by the news. And our thoughts were with the whole crew and his family and everyone involved in the series, which had just wrapped up in March and the series was due to begin in late May, if I remember correctly. So it was quite, quite close. And when it began, we just, we just didn't feel that sudden urge to watch it um, as much as we normally did. But we said we'd watch it when it comes on UK television. And that was on Monday night, except we watched it on Tuesday night. And now it's Wednesday night. So let's get on with episode one. Here we go. Okay, so we are at the opener of the season. 
it all feels quite familiar it all feels quite fresh because obviously this isn't the same as the last season because the last season combined old faces or all-stars including previous winners and new faces this is entirely new this is a entirely new batch of contestants and we are told that the theme of the series is secrets and surprises now can i add i'm really happy that in the last couple of years we've done away with auditions oh god there's nothing more painful hated the auditions episode with the exception of when maybe a year or so later you see a person who has been in the auditions coming along so this isn't drag race that's another podcast i'm sure um but it is it is such a nice thing to see when someone goes okay i didn't get through this time i'm going to give it another go let's try it and uh is it matt from la two years ago who came back past the boys is that his name? Yes. yes. He he came through the audition process and then came back and did, you know, relatively all right, actually, in the series. Um, so I love that you can see that. However, I want to get into the episodes as quickly as humanly possible. And I feel that getting rid of the auditions, going straight into these are... 16? I, I actually haven't counted, counted actually. Personal, yeah. but yes. I'm afraid to go onto a Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other red flag, actually. I remembered it now. Um, I think we've had it spoiled already. I definitely have. I'm so you sure think, you I think I know who's won? You, I know. You know who's won, which is really annoying. So I think so. It's really annoying. Basically, I was going through Wikipedia trying to look up something and then there was a name quite prominently on it, but it could have been a top three. It could have been a top five. It could have been the first out. I don't know. And I'm really annoyed because I really tried to avoid spoilers until this point. And yet here we are making a podcast telling people not to spoil it for us. So that's great. Um, the aprons at the beginning. Yes. Quite an interesting approach so they kind of i guess it was almost like they started as a graduation of Mm. the auditions because it's a hey all of you are here in your plain clothes and gonna spend the first few minutes welcoming you and then kind of handing over your apron shaking your hand you turn the tassel on your hat to the other side and uh, here you are as a graduated mm. uh, contestant. Yeah, no, I really, I, I quite liked it. Now, I'm cruel. I'm really cruel. And I really kind of wanted them to turn around. And there was like last two contestants were remaining. And there was only one apron. And they would have turned, again, secrets and surprises or whatever, that they would have turned around and had like just one. It's like, right, you got to fight for it. <laughs> That was really cruel. But obviously we did have a secret as part of that mm. and a returning contestant. Yes. So your thoughts on that? I'm really happy Brent's back. Um, we both kind of were like, he's got the advantage of being in the kitchen before. But his 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 leaving um, during uh, his season was so such a moment. It was so important in kind of the terms of male mental health, especially um, with Jock's relationship with him in that particular scene, which was really heartbreaking. Um, and how he kind of showed that in cooking, 
people aren't perfect and people have uh, things that they have to deal with and it was very courageous of him to step away from the competition knowing how good he was and how much he was progressing um, especially how publicly that happened because yeah. you would think that if you're struggling personally you would kind of take the producers mm. to the side mm. and then you'd kind of just go off Slip and away. they would announce it yeah. him having that on screen and having those I can't cook. tough mm. conversations being taken over to the side crying mm. the judges crying the contestants crying mm. I think that was really really important to see that process of I want to leave I'm going to try to talk through it mm. I'm going to confide in you but ultimately I am yeah. going to leave so, so I'm really I'm really happy to see his return um, I think it's great because he, he wasn't ever eliminated. That's the other thing. It's it, I think it's a very, very different thing when someone was eliminated and they come back. This was very different. And I think it's great to see his return and his development. His his trailer, his barbecue trailer. Can goal. we just talk? That was an absolute goal. His trip around Australia. Oh, the little pin okay. board with all the locations. On that point, is there any contestants that stood out to you immediately across episode one? Either through their story, through the the kind of inclinations of their mm. food or their heritage or the things that they cooked. For me, very early on, um, I got such a love of Larissa. Same. I think everyone Agreed. did in that episode. Obviously, um, had won uh, the challenge, and we'll get to that little in a little bit. But I loved her story. I loved her authenticity. I loved the dishes that she made. Um, I was really fascinated by her. I was really fascinated by Grace as well, her um, Croatian heritage in particular. Uh, Robbie, very, very, very mm-hmm. fascinating to see um, some more indigenous cooking mm-hmm. on uh, MasterChef Australia. I loved the beach scene. Mm. I just wanted to be there. It just was so exciting. Um, Alice and Declan too, I have uh, down on my list as a really interesting. What about you? <laughs> Every single one we of those, pretty much the exact same. I, we joke that we have the same brain and our interests are the same, and uh, it's clear here because almost all of those are the mm. exact same. In particular, Alice. Can mm. I just talk about Alice from the first time we saw her on screen? And it was kind of halfway through the episode before we had the judges come over and speak to her. The cool, calm confidence in the way that she introduced herself, introduced her dish, her her history, her process, mm-hmm. her point of view. I just thought the confidence and it, it, it was interesting because it kind of contrasted against the start of the episode that mm. there was a lot of energy and crying and jumping up and then and was it was it MasterChef USA or US or I wrote AOL? that down as well. <laughs> I no said way. I said at the start very Hollywood and yeah. over the top and something you uh, this is word for word almost something you would expect of an American version. Mm. I also thought that played into the the music that introed our special guest. Yes, yes, yes. Um, did you think they all thought the special guest was Gordon Ramsay? One million percent. Because the way it, <laughs> <laughs> the way the whole thing was introduced just felt like it was an introduction. Now, I'm not doing Jamie a disservice. I think Jamie's fantastic. And 
I can't help but think that every single one of those were like, oh my God, Gordon Ramsay's coming behind the door. And it was a real surprise when it was like, oh, it's Jamie Oliver. Here he is. Great, great um, guest for the beginning. Huge coup. Huge, huge coup. Um, I think they all knew it was either an English or an American chef. and like Or Curtis Stone. <laughs> He, no, that, he normally comes later. He is in the preview, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they knew that after they heard household name and mm-hmm. that this person kind of changed the cookery world, especially for home cooks. I think home that cooks was had been the kind of key taster to kind of give away who it was but I think they all thought it was either Gordon Ramsay or Jamie Oliver I thought they were leaning to uh, Gordon but then obviously uh, it became clear that it was the Jamie Oliver yeah. episodes um, I guess as uh, Irish boys um, looking at an Australian television show um it is interesting to see how someone who has had such an impact in the culinary world in uh, Ireland and the UK, and obviously Australia being an English-speaking country, um, it, it is interesting to see how much of an impact he has had there as well. Um, and clearly has been a huge influence on so many people there and everything. We have a lot to talk about Jamie, actually, um, probably more so in the episode two kind yeah. of rundown, but in episode one, uh, the big secret, the big surprise at the end of this was whoever wins this very first challenge, which was a challenge uh, of the secret weapon dish, great brief, was that they'll get what is ever in that mystery box. So if you were a producer on MasterChef Australia, what would your twist have been? My twist would have been a twist I've seen on another show, but I think is really, really kind of creates drama, creates intrigue. And it's actually from Big Brother UK a couple of years ago that on the opening episode, they had a golden ticket Mm. and it was kind of like a treasure hunt. Mm. And one person got a golden ticket Mm. to the final Mm. and they couldn't tell. Mm. everyone else I think eventually they did but if I was our producer on this yeah. and the the parameters were you can't tell the other contestants that's a, the exact thing I would do you have a golden ticket to say the top three mm. I think offering it to the top two who then go head mm. Ted is a bit unfair mm. you have a golden ticket to the top three you can't tell anybody so you have to pretend and show yourself and showcase your talent and be in there in the trenches but the pressure is off so that you can flourish but what happens if they are in an elimination challenge the judges know that this person has a golden ticket and everyone else does a stellar job and you absolutely feck everything up you burn it the fire alarms go off they have to do an evacuation and they still turn around and go you're safe you get to next week and the person who's done a perfect job is sitting there going what the fuck is she doing still here or whatever I would would they be able to get it or would they avoid ever getting that person into an elimination I think then it ties into like that's a twist that has such a producer Mm. angle on it or it's a type of thing that comes out when it's a team challenge and it's like right this team is in an elimination however you have the golden ticket Mm -hmm. and and that's all that's said 
And it's like, what's the golden ticket? We, you don't know. You just have the golden ticket. Something like that. The same question to you. If you were a producer on this show and you had a box mm-hmm. as kind of the payoff on episode one, yeah. what would your um, I'm, special Well, be? I'm cruel. Um, so I kind of I was going along the same lines at one point of a mystery ticket to the final, um, except except or towards the final, maybe to the top five or finals week, whatever. Um, but there was a part of me that thought, could you imagine if it got to an elimination and it's like, okay, Patrick, I'm sorry, you're going home. Big goodbyes, everything like that. And then everyone walks in the next day, they get out of the, you know, blacked out cars and walk in and Patrick's just standing there and he's like, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Reminder for anyone, Patrick is the guy I'm speaking to right now. Yeah. And I'm using you as the example as whoever wins. Um, Larissa would be the person, I guess, in this instance. Um, I, and and I then mean, just kind of like... the kind of thing yeah, they offered her almost. Yeah, like. I kind of want, I kind of want that, I kind of want a surprise element. It is the kind of thing they offered the, the second chance apron, but... Yeah. I, maybe that's where the idea came from <laughs> I watched it on television and I was like that's a really good idea I'm going to take that um, my other cruel idea short term memory I probably do whoever you are um, oh we're recording a podcast that's cool um, my, the thing the cruel one that I would have would be that in an elimination you could send someone home like as in you you could power. put up some like a proper power trip type of thing all stars that if you were in if you were in an elimination let's say you fell into an elimination you could tap out and pick who the person you think should be in an elimination instead it goes mm. yeah, I, I think that would be it but I'm cruel this is why I don't work in television production because I'd be vilified mm. but also celebrate probably for great, in terms great of the contestants in this episode mm. and the things that they cooked and the brief being show us your secret weapon mm. do you think overall they demonstrated that or how did you feel the brief got carried through in the dishes it was a bit hit and miss um it's a very open brief it's kind of like it's the uk version this is your calling card whatever that means <laughs> it's it's like what's your secret weapon as in is it your secret weapon in terms of like I'm a flavour ninja and I am going to uh, show off all of my skills in one go or is it my secret what was the title again secret weapon is that I can charm the living daylights out of you by making something that's so comforting and so delicious mm. that was kind of like there's two kind of tracks and I think everyone kind of took either of those tracks what about you yeah i mm. i think it was confusing to me because some of the contestants kind of hinted or kind of angled towards their heritage mm. or a particular cuisine others had kind of gone towards a technique and then there were a whole heap of them that i was kind of confused about mm. okay so that's the dish that you chose but like how is that demonstrating a secret weapon mm. I also think there was too much pasta mm. in this episode mm. how is how is that a secret weapon mm. I'm not so sure mm. well I guess if you are 
a mean pasta maker and that is the thing that you do a lot at home maybe that could be your secret weapon I I will tell you now I'm not the biggest pasta lover in the world um, uh, although sometimes when I watch MasterChef Australia I am starving um, the ravioli with the egg yolk that was in there I could have died for that um, but I I don't know maybe I'm just a little bit tired of seeing it on MasterChef Australia maybe because mystery boxes essentially lend itself to making pasta so so often um, perhaps that's why um, what we're going to do in this podcast is every episode where they cook and do a challenge we're going to pick two dishes each although my list here is more than two dishes which is really good a smash dish and a past dish so the smash dish being the one yeah, smash it yeah, smash smash that and then the past dish is the one that's probably not to you. it's not necessarily an awful dish because actually if we try to go on awful dishes you'd struggle because they're all really decent quality it's the one that's probably not for you or the one that l- impresses you least mm. so Patrick your <laughs> smash <laughs> dish for this first episode secret weapon I mean there's there's a couple of them but it has to go to Larissa and the borscht and the hampushki because just the colours the flavours the textures the fact that yes it is quite a humble dish but she threw in the flavour of the short ribs and Mm. the the other ingredients Mm. she cooked the bread from scratch had the herb oil over it Mm. to me it was comforting it was complete it told us exactly who she was and her heritage but also a bit of kind of her style of cookery as well so that is the smash for me um i was gonna ask a very very important question about that how long do they have for this challenge it was long like three hours? Was it 90 minutes? minutes? They had a long time. I think it was 90 minutes. The clock was like, you know, working overtime in, in the studio. Um, my one, okay, we should, probably shouldn't have the same one. I could say another one if you wanted as an alternative. No, I got alternative. one. I have one. Okay. Uh, if it's not that, it's Grace's Sausage. That was my um, alternative. Oh my God, we're the same person. <laughs> Um, <laughs> making sausage on episode one of MasterChef is incredible. It's brave. It's so brave. It is so um, unique. It was. It was like the, the the. It was the swirly sausage, so kind of akin to a Cumberland sausage in the UK. Um, it was inspired by her Croatian heritage. Croatian food, something that, despite being in Croatia two or three times, probably still relatively foodies that we were but probably not as uh, curious I guess as we are now Uh, it's still quite undiscovered cuisine for the two of us I'd say Um, we have elements of it that we understand we understand I guess Dalmatian coast Mm -hmm. uh, cuisine quite a bit but Croatian still very very intriguing Uh, so really interesting to see how she brings that out throughout this whole series but if I had to pick another dish I'd go absolutely for that Um, and then an honourable mention for the moon cake the moon she Mm -hmm. so inventive also the chilli crab oh yes Galangal yeah, chili yeah. crab like 
I could smell it. Yeah. I, I could taste it on yeah, the other side of the screen. Doing such a good job at picking one, aren't we? We're yeah. really doing well at that. Um, past it. Um, I'm going to go with mine first. And uh, this is probably uh, this. Uh, and I know she did well in it. And you already know exactly what it is. Uh, it's Rue's Ferrero Rocher dish. And it's nothing to do. It looked beautiful. The pastry looked great. <laughs> it was presented so gorgeously. Oh, here we go. I just absolutely hate hazelnuts. I hate the flavor of them 99% <laughs> of the time. Every so often I'll have them in a fancy restaurant and I'll go, oh, yeah, I love them. I just don't like it. The idea of a Ferrero Rocher revolts me. You know, those... um. You know those toffee sweets that you'd sometimes get at the airport or when you're on holidays or sometimes a bargain special in Tesco? Those, if you want me to, I'm going to say chunder, but yes, if th- that will do it for me. It's I hate them. So anytime I think of hazelnuts, I'm like, no, I'm gone. So you could do fried chicken with hazelnuts and I won't eat it. Mm-hmm. I'll just eat the fried chicken. Um, so I'm not I'm not the biggest fan. So as a result, that's my pass. However, but, you are starting a micro dose yes. hazelnuts yeah. every so often yeah. in that they aren't so offensive, they aren't so off-putting anymore. But yeah, yeah it, it is that kind of ingredient that is off-putting mm. in general. Off-putting is probably it. But I think she did a great job. You? My pastish, I'm going to say one word... Raygu, it's Kath. Raygu, Kath. Can I just say before we start on even the dish, okay. she is Kath Day Night. I'm kind of in love with her. It's almost as if she is like her long lost sister. It's the accent. It's the kind of chaoticness. It's the laughing at everything. It's you just love her. But there's a couple of things that. Are not quite there. Yeah. Yeah. The ragu, I thought, was, uh, again, I was like, how is that a secret weapon? How is that telling me anything about you? Did she have, like, a a pangranata or or anything on top? Yeah. Pangratato on on the side. I really should edit that out so I sound intelligent, but yeah, go on. In the the kind of... um, beauty image that they take it was on the side yeah so and it was only I think as it was served that we heard that that was an element so that could have been added in quite late Mm. but I just think she pressure cooked it yeah like a ragu the secret to it is time Mm. and by pressure cooking it it was very watery looking when it came out. And it, that that's going to create tenderness, but it isn't going to create flavour mm. or unctuousness. It's actually going to zap the flavour out mm. a bit. So I think like that for me was a bit of a red flag. So that is going to be the past. This yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. I'd, I think I'd agree. I had that in, in my list as well. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of interested to see because she's very home cook. Very, very home cook, and I think the importance of MasterChef Australia is showing that you can go from home cook hero to professional superstar. And I don't want to write her off entirely just yet because, you know, going into her kitchen like that, does she always pressure cook a ragu, or does she do it with time and love and everything like that? And that's the thing I'm trying to. I'm, I'm one. I'm intrigued about. Um, so I'll be interested to see how she goes in that, but. Yes, living for the cat day night energy. Has an air fryer 
appeared yet. Do not say. Is it gonna appear? Is that gonna be part of the arsenal? I did see some T-Fell oleo cleans on um, the surface tables. Mm. Um, If you are discovering this um, podcast through some whatever random means, um, Patrick and I wrote a cookbook in the height of air fryer madness. Sounds like I'm talking into it. Also in the height of lockdowns. Sounds like I'm talking uh, (laughs) as if it's a time capsule, but during that time, uh, past, present or future, and we wrote a cookbook entirely about deep fried food. You know, could have made a lot of dollar um, if we made an air fryer one, but we stuck with our guns. So we're big fans of it. And funnily enough, the fryers that they use on MasterChef Australia are also, and it's actually a coincidence. It's not because of MasterChef Australia. It's no. one of the few things in my life it hasn't influenced. Uh, it is the same one. And we're very happy to have that. So that's that. Um, we have to shout that there was one hibachi klaxon. Yeah. Just a one. It was episode one and a hibachi klaxon went and off. And it was Brent. And it was Brent because Brent knows Sta- where they're stored and how to Established player. He knew. Oh, he, he'd he been practicing been for practicing. a year or two mm-hmm. now. So I will... I was kind of expecting that. Okay. Okay, just Ye- before we end, yep. should we just talk about Jamie Oliver in um, this episode? In this episode, yeah. Um, what would you like to talk about Jamie Oliver? <laughs> Is there anything to talk about? Because, yes, he, he was there to judge and to guide and to kind of, yeah, to be part of the panel. But I don't think... It added too much other than, oh my God, it's Jamie Oliver over and over. I think episodes one of any series, especially something like this, does need a superstar name. Hmm. It does help. And to be fair, that's bullshit. No, it doesn't help. The show is huge. People will watch it anyway. It just adds to the drama of it all. And I think just for them, it's kind of like you'd go in on day one and expect to see last year's winner standing there being like, hi, I won. Uh, Here's a dish. And instead it's like, no, here's one of the most famous chefs in the world. I think that's kind of a nice surprise. Um, Probably a bit overwhelming for some people as well. Mm. But hey-ho, that's the game. Um... But, yeah, I, I quite liked him. Um, without moving into episode two too much, I do feel that you learned a lot about Jamie Oliver and how Australians see Jamie Oliver as opposed to how people in uh, Ireland and the UK would see him. But shall we wrap episode one? Let's do it. Let's uh, wrap episode one of MasterChef Australia here on uh, Underbent Staples. And we're going to now very swiftly move on to, huge surprise, episode two. Because we watched them within 24 hours. Of each other. Hello again. Hello again. Here we us. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here we are for episode two. So I'm going to edit in a really, really handy. I'm not. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm not. So episode two obviously is a continuation because it's still a Jamie Oliver episode. He's sticking around. And the premise of this episode is all about getting to that immunity cook-off on Thursday. But before they get there... I think one of the best challenges they've had mm. in the past few years, mm. and there's been a lot of chal- challenges to choose from, but the 15-minute meals brief was just brilliant. Mm. So this was the first immunity challenge, um, and everyone's lined up, ready to go, and they were told that they have 15 minutes to cook something. <laughs> Anything. Now, does that 15 minutes include... This is the thing I'm always curious about. The scramble to the pantry. Yes, I think they started the time then. 
I go to a supermarket to get milk and it takes me 20 minutes to walk around. So I'm really conscious of how, like how you'd have to, I'm really intrigued to know that process of here's your challenge. Do they know it in advance? Sometimes I know some challenges they do, some challenges Mm. they don't. And that planning and what goes through your head because like, it's a lot of pressure, especially on a challenge that's 15 minutes long. Um, An intriguing mix of uh, dishes, I would say. What would you make? Now, in our relationship, Patrick and I have been together for 13 years. Does that sound correct? Something like that, Something like that, yeah. We're not precious about it. Um, And one of Patrick's greatest skills is being able to look into an empty fridge that would have, uh, you know... A Barbie doll head, an empty bottle of wine, and a slice of Easy Singles cheese, and he'd still make a three-course d- m- meal. Yes. I, on the other hand, would look at a full fridge of food and go, not now I need to go to the supermarket. <laughs> so we're two very so different cooks. in terms of this situation, you're given this challenge, and you're given entry to the pantry, to the garden, under a bunch of staples, mm. the lot. Does that inspire you and excite you or overwhelm you? I think because I know there's a good pantry there, I think I'd feel a lot better. Mm. Um, what would you make? Or do you want to ask me that first and then I'll go? Because I think just it sounds better if you ask me for some reason because I'm a tit. So what would you make then? <laughs> <laughs> After hearing that having the access to everything excites yeah. you. So tell I- me... My my instinct is to go down something very lunchy. Mm. I'm thinking something like a really nice toasty. Like, mm. am I basic? I don't know. A like, jaffle, maybe? A jaffle. Um, like a really nice toasty or like the perfect toasted sandwich with like the best cheese, the best hams, whatever that's there. Mm. Um, but like... I, I panic thinking of 15 minute things um, I would I'd probably move away from like anything that's too protein heavy because that would give me so much fear of making sure it's cooked mm-hmm. in time and make sure there's enough flavour in there I'd probably look at eggs I'm looking at the, you know there's a lot of potential with eggs whether yes. it's omelettes um, whether it's like a, a really like flavourless but <laughs> You know, at least I tried a shakshuka or something. Mm-hmm. What would you try? I think it was clever that quite a few of them chose fish. Yeah. Because, of course, it's quicker to cook, easier to overcook, even in that short mm. time frame. But if you're going to choose anything, quite a few chose scallops, quite a few did a tartare of fish, like, clever. Mm-hmm. I would probably do a schnitzel and some, like, mm. and a zingy salad with some like apple or orange through it, some like spice through the salad. Like I think you can inject the flavor into the coating of the schnitzel. Mm. You can quickly fry that. It's thin, so it's gonna cook quickly. And then you can kind of like jazz up a salad. I think that the important thing that I spotted in this is that quite a few people treated it as I'm cooking a starter. And that's really clever because instead of like three or four ingredients, they heroed an ingredient and a sauce or like a a protein and then some other stuff around that. So instead Mm. of thinking of it as wholemeal, you're thinking of it as starter. 
That's really interesting. But then in the judging element, uh, they did make a comment in particular, Jamie, about things being like, this is a perfect 15-minute meal because it has nutrition, it is balanced and everything like that. But, because starters really by their nature are more of like, they're more flavour boosters, whereas a main meal is about balance. Except if it's like in a really fancy restaurant and stuff like that, so that's fine. Um, I quite liked a lot of the dishes that were put out. I did feel, again, a few people went probably a little bit too into the same territory that they did in the last challenge which makes me think is their secret weapon 15 minute meals or is that just a Jamie thing um, I couldn't help but think throughout the entire thing I have to say always the fashion on this show is incredible on all of the judges oh the judges <laughs> yeah like I was like they like all a, have aprons on yeah, so how yeah. are you ascertaining this though fashion? I'm loving there's a lot of tattoos and I'm really intrigued Ma- by looking yeah, at them all nice. like, I think there's some really nice ones there um, I couldn't quite judge throughout the entire show if Andy was uh, rocking the new cost collection or wearing chef whites it was very confusing because it looked like a chef white but mm. it was a granddad coloured shirt it was really confusing me I know that each of the judges has a particular kind of either each of them has a stylist or each of them kind of like sticks to brands and like has a kind of character wardrobe Mm. and I know his is costs or like it Mm. is like a large part of it but um, yeah I thought he looked great I Mm. thought all of them Mm. I think all of them such have such an individual yeah. s- style mm. and they've really kind of embraced that yeah. I just can't help but think I was like is there going to be like a cookery demonstration <laughs> going on here or is Andy just wearing a granddad collar I can't quite tell in the end it was just cos I'm most also it, it had like three quarter sleeves like yeah yeah unusual yeah a lot nice yeah different okay unusual. so of um, the contestants who who I guess got spotlit in that episode because mm. we hadn't seen all of them and they all hadn't gotten tasted on, on screen. Um, Is there any that stuck the out? The two that really stuck out uh, for various reasons are, again, talking about Grace, the olive oil business. I was like, oh, girl, I like this. I'm really intrigued by this. So it's already quite invested in food in an element. Um, so there's an understanding of flavour and everything like that. And it's a really unique thing and um, we both went Australian olive oil but of course we've never been to Australia we don't we most of our culinary knowledge of Australia comes from this show so really great to see I think Maggie Beer probably has, has one with some verju as well um, so that was really interesting and um, one of the things we've always found really interesting about um, MasterChef Australia is the pronunciation of Irish tartar Australian tartar uh, Declan did a gorgeous looking tuna as he introduced it tartar however at one point he said both in the same sentence which really confused the heck out of me I think like you can say obviously I get that there is tartar that is like a raw protein mm. and then there's also tartar that is a sauce yeah I guess that they are the same name but different dishes 
but you can pronounce them the same way mm. because because of the context. Mm. As you know, in studying a language, it's all about the context mm. to understand. You can get the context. Mm. So I'm not really sure why we're calling it a tartare because tear mm. to me is spelled T-E-A-R mm. as in to tear a piece of paper. Mm. But... Um, yeah, so okay. I thought he also put up a great dish. Yeah, I, anyone else? I agree. The ones that stood out for me was Jessica. These are, are these your smashes? Um, I mean, no, let's not go to smash. No, yet. yeah. Uh, the ones that stood out for me were the Tremula prawns from Jessica. Mm. I really, really enjoyed the simplicity. Again, clever to use shellfish, prepared really well. They all said their prawns had been cooked incredibly. Then j- just keep it simple. A great homemade chermula, mm-hmm. and it can be outstanding. Mm-hmm. So I... D- what? <laughs> so I... So Jessica got through in the five uh, that got to progress to round two. And a huge part of me was like, that's lovely. I would absolutely smash that as a dish. But it felt a bit simple. It felt a little bit too simple, um, considering some of the things other people were putting up, if you're doing a side-by-side comparison. Yeah. Um, But obviously the flavor worked. They said it was one of the best sauces in the room. Yeah. Fine, fine. I'll take that. But I just was like... I would... would Also, I do like her. I think there's something about her. That's... That's... that is the same feeling that I had about Antonio. Yeah. Because, like, they're all like, oh, my God, it's like this corn pancake. And, like, oh, wow. It was just a pancake with cheese in it, if you're really breaking it down. Yeah, but there's a few processes there with the corn and everything, too. And as Jamie put it, it's like, is this food anywhere in Australia right now? Like, having Venezuela... Again, this show is so amazing for platforming so many um, global cuisines. But for Venezuelan food, even Jamie being like, I've never seen this before, mm. is, is really amazing. Amazing. Um, I really, really liked that. Um, but then again, yeah, it's... It, a 15-minute challenge is so hard because some people crack under the pressure and some people really, really slay as well. Um, do you want to go into Smash and Pass? Smash. Okay, I'll go first this one. Okay. Um, I, oh, I have three written down here and I'm really struggling. I've got one. You've got one. So if you got one, then I can eliminate one so then yeah. I don't have to use it. Okay, go. So and I think you first? know what this is going to be Grace's dish. Okay, that's grand. Because uh, yeah, I just can't resist the allure mm. of anchovy. And to me, I heard the concept of the dish, the poached eggs, the greens, the bread, the bagnacauda. I hadn't understood that it's a brunch Mm. kind of thing. But then after it got served as a brunch, I was like, this is me in a brunch dish. If I had the option of that on a menu, that is the thing I would order. And if you had anchovies on cornflakes, you'd be delighted with I'd yourself. be delighted. Um, so I just think an inventive way to throw flavour into s- something that all of us kind of know already. So yeah. that's going to be my smash. Okay. Three, four dishes here. <laughs> this is what it's like going to a restaurant me, isn't it? Yes. Um, if I'm going to go on one that probably hasn't been mentioned already... Um, 
I'd probably say Larissa's Korean Tartar, which I would argue looked visually more appealing than uh, that's my Xbox where I watch uh, MasterChef Australia on Making a Noise, sorry. Uh, I would say it was uh, more appealing than Declan's. Declan's was lovely in the mound and everything like that with the beautiful looking bread, but there was something about Larissa's one, uh, and I'm a sucker for um, Korean food as well, so that's probably why. I think uh, I also spotted that hers had been cut on the length yes, ways yes, as well. Yeah, yeah, it was more like chipsticks as opposed to chunks. Hmm. Um, uh, Brent's bugs with the sriracha. I have that oh, as well. Oh, Honorable I, mention yeah, because I needed. I I wanted that to be shown a bit more because I was like, uh, these sound incredible. Mm. Um, I'm. I need to see how he develops in this series because every time he does a flavor combination, I'm just starting to drool because. It's very us style of food, very mm. our us flavors. It might not be presented, especially in episode one, it wasn't presented in the most prettiest way. But sounds really, really good. That was the pork chop that mm. he did in that one. So your pass, my pass um, was probably Andrea's spaghetti and clams. That's my one too. Yeah, <laughs> I just think it was so simple. He got through in the top five there. It was the, and this is the thing, go back to the brief. It was the essence of a 15-minute meal. And while it might not have set our worlds on fire, it does make sense, I guess. I just think, has, has he cooked pasta these two episodes? Yes. And then obviously he gets into the past the top. So technically three. But I just think like Okay, yeah. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm. But we have to just try to step away from having that as the vehicle all the time. Because if I think of clams, naturally you think of Avangale. It's great, it's quick, it's mm. easy. Mm. Is there not something more interesting or unusual that we can do with clams like XO sauce or like yeah. or like something to pickle the clams or or just like I think he's playing it a bit safe. So that is the only reason why I have him in the mm. in the past because I just think he cooked tomatoes and pasta the first episode. Uh, I I actually loved the look of his past edition the first episode though. It looked other than the skins. Yeah, the skin, I could deal with the skins, but I see where they were coming from. I uh, I like the look of it. That was probably of the past editions in episode one. That was probably the one that I would be picking out yeah. uh, to enjoy the most. But in this one, I loved how... Um, I didn't love actually. I just I felt it was really annoying how he fell into the pasta thing again. Um, I want to see a bit more because I think there's a there's there's a, a fun cook in there. I think there's a bit of a maverick in there, a bit of like a experimental flavors thing. We've seen kind of two very traditional things, and I want to see if he can maybe do those and put the level up a little bit more. So like uh, clams and spaghetti, great. But then elevate it mm. a step up, as Anna Garten would say, turn the volume up. Turn the volume up. Um, also, in this episode, in in episode two, I think they said it twice that he's from Torino. 
Is that I'd is have to that check. a joke? I'd or have to is... check, but I'm afraid of going onto Wikipedia. <laughs> in case. If so, that's yeah. a place that we've explored twice now. And in six months because of yeah. Eurovision. And I would like to see mm. him bring, if he is from Torino, I would like to see that involved I'm, in yeah, his. Yeah, because actually the food around there is probably Northern Italy food, especially if that's if that is the case. And again, we're afraid to go into anyone's <laughs> bios at this point in case we go on and go, oh, this person won the whole competition. And you're like, that's great. It's spoiled it for me. I'm, I, I, we're afraid to go into their bios too much. But if he is uh, Northern Italian, that's amazing because you, then you got Jessica with her uh, Southern Italian heritage and I love the idea of really showcasing the diversity within Italy because we've never been to southern Italy but we've been to northern Italy quite a bit and the food there um, there's a richness it's kind of heavy uh, but it's flipping delicious as well so I'm really cannot wait for Tonato so then speaking of pasta we get on to the next part of the episode the challenge and we have Antonio Andrea Jessica Grace and Rhiannon yes that's right so they all um, progressed um, and I think ultimately all of those hit the brief that's yeah. the biggest thing it was it was not it was like yes it was delicious but it was hitting the brief that was the most important thing I love a keep up challenge <laughs> they're so good I love them except when it's Marco Pierre White because yeah. I think actually I'm not going to say what I think you can guess you can guess. I don't. I, I'm not a huge fan, and I, I don't like. It. I don't know. Legal. Um, I. It's an opinion. I. Yeah, but no. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna call the lawyers. Um, I. F- I don't like when he does it because I think there's a sense of arrogance, and I think it's kind of. It's all for television. It's all over the top. I really like Jamie doing them. Jamie. Jamie is a proper TV cook, but he's also a very good chef. So he has to find a balance there and I think I love the little story about um, you know poor pe- poor people in Italy eat pasta and water and you know made pasta made with just flour and water I love that very humbling very contextual to put into mm-hmm. things uh, would it? especially when there's such an abundance of ingredients in that kitchen just to kind of ground people a little bit I think it was really really good um, but a really good fun challenge wasn't it yeah excellent and a great pace mm. and I think he encouraged them in a way that other chefs who have come in in the past to do that kind of mm. challenge have just terrified them mm. and they've almost upped their game as the chef to be quicker just to put them through their paces and I think he got the balance right that it was challenging but he was also trying to encourage them as he went. It was like the things of like chopping the veg, chopping the garlic and things like that. He was showing off, doing it fast, everything like that. I loved the stare off uh, that he did. Um, Andrea, with, and yeah, Andrea, that was <laughs> very very funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there was a good balance of trying to show off, but also trying to teach, and that was really good. Uh, they made a rotolo. Oh, that it was, was beautiful. So so sensational. I look. I there's a whole thing about zoning in on a dish in your life that I think some people 
when you put people on the on the spot and ask them to zone in on a dish and the fact that he was able to say everything right from I'm here with this empire I have these books I have these TV shows I'm a judge on this everything like that and if that's the, the wide end of the triangle and at the very very pointy end of the other side of it is this one evening where he was told yeah yeah your wife and you aren't going out tonight you need to come in we're a chef down and by the way the camera crew's here and that was everything mm. and it was this dish that you made love that great storyline so great and kind of this is where I was teasing back in an episode uh, talking about episode one we've known about Jamie Oliver we're in our 30s Jamie Oliver has been a constant presence on our television screens and in our bookshelves for so much of our yeah. lives and has a huge influence on our uh, uh, cookery uh, influences and everything like that. Probably not the most influential to us in a lot of cases in terms of TV chefs and everything. Hi, Nigella. But, uh, you know, there's he's still so influential, I think. You know, I loved his, you know, the different campaigns. Um, what was that one that he did that I, I was obsessed with? Ministry of Food. I loved that and I loved the concept of it. I think because of politics and because of his involvement in different things, I think uh, us consuming Jamie Oliver in the media in the UK and Ireland see him in certain lights. And then we also see him in these shows that are 30 minutes, well, they're not 30 minutes, they're 24 minute shows on a Monday night, cooking things really, really quickly, flashy graphics, everything looks great. It was great to be reminded of so much about Jamie Oliver and seeing his personality and seeing his warmth and seeing his talent that was a great thing about this episode i felt he really he excelled in so many ways and just great to see it from our perspective yeah he is a teacher mm. and that came through mm. in that he knows how to tell stories he knows how to captivate you mm. he knows how to challenge you mm. he doesn't miss a beat he can spot if you're off or have an untidy bench or mm. a struggling but i think it was great and i think it was a joy to have a cook along challenge so early on in the mm. process because it's it isn't usually as early as this so mm. yeah enjoyed it mm. i think all of them did agreeably okay all kind of alike i think the two antonio and jessica who got through i think they did just inches yeah yeah i, I think they had been the most capable they hadn't really any issues. All of the others kind of stumbled a bit. Yeah. So then there's those two. Yeah, yeah. Um, loved that. I especially loved Jamie rolling it out on the tea towel akin to Fanny Craddock Cook's Christmas doing a Swiss roll. And watch, oh, watch, watch. Boom, done. It done. was great. Really, really, really good. Brilliant. Um, closing the episode, and both closing that episode and this episode um, of Underbench Staples, um, he had said that this could be one of the strongest bunches ever. He is, almost had tears in his, yeah, his eyes. He now. almost had tears in his eyes on a lot of occasions. Mm-hmm. Was he plumossing? Or do you think he's genuine? Because we're two episodes in, we haven't had auditions, we've barely had backstories. There's about five. Mm. I think we don't there's two or three I don't even think I've seen on screen <laughs> like they're just there and I'm like are you camera crew or something yeah I spotted a few on the gantry that I was like <laughs> who are you okay I yeah. guess I'll get to you in yeah. episode 8 or something so we're still not quite into the getting to know you fully stage 
Um, but we're getting good glimpses. Now, people. the last thing I'll say about Jamie Oliver is he ends the episode emotionally and there's a big group hug and he's created a surprise to go into the next challenge. The judges didn't particularly thank him or say goodbye. And we know that it came out in the pre-press of this season that they were teasing that there's going to be a global superstar who's going to be almost the extra judge. Okay. So there's something in me that thinks, mm, Jamie Oliver's not quite completed here yet. Is he Shannon Bennett? <laughs> Is he the Shannon Bennett of this season? I don't know, but like just the way that he kind of excused himself mm. and he said until then or like mm. until the next mm. time I see I just think there is just a little thing that the judges are, are keeping up their sleeves because I get the impression mm. he's going to be a slight constant yeah I think so it would be interesting if he is um, I think I think um, I was a bit like how's this going to work but I think he's been really, really good. I think he's been really, really good in this episode. Um, in terms of what he said about them being um, uh, the best bunch, I love the fact that he said, I watched this show. I wonder if they edited out his comments about um, the UK one, which he probably didn't say. That one mm. isn't as good. The UK one is currently on a celebrity series. Um, I wouldn't watch it if it's I chalk was and any cheese. It's just chalk and cheese. Like, <laughs> like so. This could be like. another. This could be another podcast. And it isn't to be disrespectful to any contestants on the... Uh, we watched the UK MasterChef series, this, the um, pleb one and... Pleb. Public. That's what it's known as, the pleb series and the celebrity series. But, you know, the general public series, the celebrity season and, and, and professionals. Um, professionals is fantastic. It's amazing. That's great television. The citizen one... <laughs> Is, is it's the contestants do really really well but I don't think they're given enough back by the production in the same way that the Australian one is and then the celebrity one uh, just contributes to food waste in my opinion but that's that's another matter um he had, think, he had said that it was the best cookery school in the world. Loved that comment because yeah. I 100% agree. Has and he like, closed down his cookery school? So yeah, he can say that. <laughs> and like a purist out there mm. can argue against that until the cows come home and that there has to be like classic French yeah, training absolutely. and all of that. I get that. But this is more than just a TV show. This mm. is a training ground. This mm. is an arena. Mm. This is almost the Olympics of home cooking. So... I 100% agree that if I could have the opportunity to go into any cookery competition in the world, it would be be that that show. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as a one-time cookbook author and food writer, we're disqualified. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Which is a real shame. Um, We're coming up to the end now of this very first episode, combining two episodes of MasterChef Australia. If you have enjoyed um, listening to us, 
uh, Warble On about probably one of our favourite shows uh, do subscribe uh, do share it actually that's the most important thing is sharing it because um, we'll be talking about it ourselves but this is just a little bit of fun for like minded people who enjoy down under delicacies uh, of the uh, of the uh, Australians <laughs> Russell stop talking um, so it's just a little bit of fun just to enjoy that um, if you have any comments or thoughts on MasterChef Australia we are at Gastrogaze G-A-S-T-R-O-G-A-Y-S and you can get us uh, on all social media there um, but we'll be back very very soon uh, with another episode combining one or two or maybe three episodes this is how it's going to be uh, so watch the episodes on TV and then we'll have a little recap and some thoughts after that but until next time bye bye, bye.